Presses Play. Hey everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Wonderful listeners, as always for this month, happy spooky season. Welcome back to our show. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So I think us film podcasters, I may be speaking for myself here, but I feel like sometimes us film podcasters can get a little too academic and philosophical about our approach to talking about film. And I think especially for the last couple of episodes, we've gotten pretty meta, pretty intellectual, pretty like, let's look at the concept in a vacuum sense. And I think that's great. I really like doing that with film. But I do think it is important to remember why we love film, because they are fun and we enjoy them and we are entertained by them. And for this week, I really wanted to pick a film that represented that and especially represented that for spooky season. And what better way to do that than to watch one of the most fun and maybe a little silly but still great 50s B-horror movies of our time, The Blob, and watch its very unknown remake, unknown enough to the point that I was surprised that there was a remake of The Blob. I was also even more surprised to find out that it was written by Frank Darabont, who wrote and directed one of my favorite films of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. And I thought for this episode, it would behoove me to use a fancy word, to bring in Kyle and Blaze of Top Cult, who are my local horror experts, to really get into what makes both of these films great on their own and what makes both of these films awesome as a pair. So sit back, relax, and let's see what the folks at Top Cult and I discuss when we talk about the 1958 classic, The Blob, from Irvin Yearworth and Russell Dodden. And it's 1988 80s remake from Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. Every one of you watching this screen, look out. Because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. I want that organism alive. I think you ticked it off. no shape when she isn't the front woman and songwriter behind noisy art pop band dollhouse and when he isn't studying mortuary science blaze doll and kyle davis respectively are the two minds behind the podcast top cult along with the horror events they've planned their youtube channel explores and analyzes a wide array of spooky sh- subgenres, forgotten gems and some of the newest international and underground releases you may have a hard time getting your hands on. Ladies and gentlemen and spooks, let's give the folks of Top Cult a warm welcome to the show. Hello, hello. I'm so excited you guys are here. Yes. How Wonderful you guys? to be here. Wonderful to have you guys. Um, oh, shucks. Thank you. Oh, shucks. You're it's welcome. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the most important question to start off with is, what did we think of these movies in general, like when watching these movies, these remakes, what was our first impression or first impressions? So The Blob is, it's funny because I hadn't seen it in years, but it was also the original one was something that I used to look very fondly back on. It was one of the first B movies. I think it's actually in Greece. It's like one of the movies that they're watching in the drive-in. So I was obsessed with Greece as a kid. And then I eventually started becoming obsessed with movies and so the blob was obviously one of the natural ones to go into because I already had some sort of recognition of it Mm -hmm. so it was something that I used to talk about a lot and know very well and then it just kind of was erased from my memory and I had to really sit down and be like oh yeah that's right oh yeah that this this happens and this happens and watching back from it I, I don't really remember being 
a huge fan of the remake when I first watched it, even though I was, as soon as I got into 80s horror, like I considered myself 80s horror gal, um, love Night at the Creeps, love Videodrome, love all oh, the yeah. body horror stuff mm-hmm. that came out then. Yeah, exactly. So it's weird, like watching it back now, I'm the exact opposite. I go, no, I, I really do like the remake more because it just kind of fits in the way that the effects are done. I love all that kind of like street trash practical effects that it has. And especially when you see people morphing into it and their faces coming out of it the way you don't see in the original one. So I would still say that I'm fond of both of them, but I definitely left this rewatch with a different opinion than going into it. Like if I wouldn't have rewatched them, I probably still would have said, yeah, I love the 50s one way more. Ooh, interesting. To play devil's avocado here. Oh, that no. theme song <laughs> slaps. The, the theme song does slap. It's a oh, bop. Oh, Beware the Blob by Barry Oh, Bad yes. Rack. And how. Yes. Love it so much. <laughs> No, yeah, um, upon rewatching as well, because same kind of thing. I was never so obsessed with Greece, so I can't, <laughs> cannot confirm nor deny if uh, Greece is a gateway drug to horror. You were not a pink lady. No, I was not, not a, a pink, pink lady. lady. But um, bad non-Greece fan. Bad. Yeah, I know. Shame on me. <laughs> um, no, I liked John Travolta and other things as well. But uh, no, so I would say, yeah, rewatching everything. Um, and really getting a grasp on it. I feel like I, I gained a lot more from it being way more of a horror fan of all old subgenres and all decades. Now watching the 88 and seeing what it plays off of and, and um, subverting expectations and things like that. I also love movies where people are generally just talking the entire time, like all fifties, sixties movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about listening to Stephen McQueen being like, Oh, shucks, sir. No, I'm not going to drive backwards again. So <laughs> um, I'm all about I'm all about the 50s one. Uh, it, it's a beautiful window into time. It really is, and that's very true about most of those 50s B movies. Where I feel like, what was it? Attack of the 50 Foot Woman is kind of the same way. Where it's right. like, yes, all talking, and you maybe get like an hour of the actual monster. The original Fly with Vincent Price was right. like, sure, not yeah. as badly the same way because it was no. paced really well, but Definitely. like you maybe see the actual fly in question for like- Right. Like if you nod off for like 10 minutes, like you'll miss the only thing. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's interesting because when I was doing some like internet digging on these films um especially about why like most people don't even know that there's a remake of the blob they just kind of stop at the 50s one and they don't realize that there's an 80s one and one of the articles that was like why the blob was underrated or overlooked or whatever it did mention how it was it came out in 88 so it kind of came right at the end of all of those 50s b-movies remakes like the thing right the fly the the body snatchers i'm sure there's one i'm forgetting yeah you think it's kind of strange or perhaps a little bit not normal for horror fans who tend to love conventions and especially because there is such a love of horror not only of 80s horror but in the 80s Do you think it's kind of weird that they got tired of a certain kind of horror so quickly? I wonder if it's just more of a mainstream film goer and just general, because this was something that I'm sure was widely released at the time and got Mm -hmm. the whole, you know, horror now is such a different thing because we have so many different avenues too. So you see the ones that get pushed out to the masses are kind of like the very generic types of movies that get pushed out by like is new line still a thing or like miramax whereas opposed <laughs> like i don't be. know what's what's even like a production company anymore because like when i see horror it's on all these different avenues and all these different streaming platforms mm-hmm. and indie horror and i th- i wonder if it's more um the mainstream film goer at the time was tired of the trend where you know now i've been noticing like horror mainstream wise have been seeing a lot of vampires again and for a while when the walking dead just started it was all about zombies and then you had like warm bodies and that sort of stuff being released theatrically in world Mm -hmm. war z i wonder if it's more like that because i think horror fans in general they're just looking for horror there's there's always going to be something that you like more than something else where you say oh i'm a psychological person or oh i'm a slasher person and so on and so forth but 
I think if they hear that something is good, we're all obsessed with having the most knowledge and being the elite and being oh it's so true yeah exactly (laughs) so like even if it's something that's not up your alley if you're not a big ghost movie person you're gonna watch any sort of ghost movie that gets attention because you want to be able to tell someone why you liked it or why you didn't so yeah i kind of feel like it's that way I, i also kind of wonder if the blob in like looking at just the title and thinking of the history that it has with the 50s i wonder if it just never got the credit or the recognition with mainstream audience members because it's such a silly concept that you know, like, like they're not going to find, um, oh, there's nothing that's going to be scary about this. You know, like you might go into like, I'm sure they saw trailers and, and things for like the fly where it's like, oh God, oh God almighty, what the hell has happened to Jeff Goldblum, you know, <laughs> but, um, with the blob, you're still going to get the same pink goo that people are maybe, maybe, uh, feel a little weird about like the strawberry jam kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is funny too that you say with like people not knowing that there's a remake because Rob Zombie was actually supposed to remake the 88 one and he never got around to it. I'm going to crawl in a hole. and Which is hilarious. <laughs> because, like, I, I don't know how you feel about Why Rob Zombie. Why would that Zombie, ever happen? I, just, I don't know I if can't. I just like Rob Zombie. I don't know if I like that combo. It's it's a weird combo. And it's, it's funny because now you say, oh, the strawberry jam. I'm and watching it in my head right now. Really, everything that he does is just so over the top in a way where he's trying to garner that kind of gore horror mentality. Well, it's just all Southern. Like it is, it is very, (laughs) yeah. I wonder how that perspective. Yeah. And then I wonder if um, there wasn't then just some like, maybe like a miscommunication where studios were like, Oh, they're tired of body horror and practical effects. I wonder if like I wonder if it mm-hmm. didn't have to do with the rise of special effects with computer graphics and green screen technology and all that. Yeah. And they put all their money into that going forward and then um you know, then we had the boom of like Jurassic Park and all that. Yeah, and it's interesting cuz one thing I didn't realize until we started talking about it is the fact that like John Carpenter and the thing, David Cronenberg and the fly, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, this is really their first thing right after Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors. Right. right. Which was a year apart. Also. It, which is crazy. It's a yeah. year apart. And I think maybe audiences, like when you watch the trailer for The Fly, you go, oh, this is a Cronenberg version of The Fly, so I know it's gonna right. be what it's going to be like. So yeah. you know, the Carpenter, like, oh, I know what a John Carpenter version of the thing is going to be like. Yo, they so thought like, they did. They thought they did. <laughs> you that is they don't true. know what you're in for they when you see that movie for the first did. time. So I wonder if maybe audiences just didn't know what to expect, and they were just kind of like, right. eh, I don't know who these two, like, young guys are no thank you Mm. right and it is a very different take on it when we were comparing back and forth the way that the events that they have in common how they unfold and how things kind of happen backwards you know it doesn't really the the first movie i said this it's kind of like the m night Shyamalan signs reveal where they're trying to I, I I hate I kind of I kind of hate signs just because of the oh, ending. And I don't hate the blob for this reason, which is funny. And I think it's also because the simplicity of the B movies of the 50s, they didn't have as much to work with here. So when a movie comes right, out in right. the early 2000s and they have that same kind of reveal, unless it's supposed to be a straight homage, I don't think it works as well. And it's the end of the movie, they spend all this time trying to fight these aliens, and then it's like, oh, water destroys them, but they came to a planet that's 75% water. Whatever. So I'm just kind of like... (laughs) They were doing pretty great, weren't they? They they were doing pretty great, but now it's just, it's so easy. And that's kind of the blob. Oh, it doesn't like the cold. And then they just drop it into the Antarctic, and then that's it. And this 88 
uh, remake there has so much more going on where they have that kind of military scientist subplot. And then they also have way more with the family members and the people in the town. It just kind of unfolds in a different way. And you find Mm -hmm. out that it doesn't like cold. Probably, I want to say within the first 30 or 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, because, it's like halfway through probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not an act three plot twist. No, right. right. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of really cool things that the 88 version does. Paying homage, there's only like, probably like two scenes that are directly taken out of the 58 one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the old man in the beginning, whether he be homeless or not, and his stick, how the, how the, right. how the blob... How he turns the stick upside down and the blob latches up to his hand, which I actually like how they did it in the 55, 58 version more. I do too. I think it seems like what they did in the 58 version was they reversed the film. So like instead yes. of yeah. flopping off of his hand, they had, they reversed it. So it looked like it was climbing up, but yeah, it was clever. Like in the 58 version. Yeah. A little bit more in that scene. And it also looked like it was drooping down, which gave him a reason to turn the stick upside down. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think that that whole part was, was that's really the only thing you can really say in the 58 version done better than the 88. It's very jerky too. And the way that it zooms in and out, just the whole way that it unfolds and you see it. I was saying to Kyle, it's very reminiscent of that evil dead Two yes. kind of the yeah. cabin is starting to come to life. Right. Which is, yeah, or, or, or his hands being infected in that same way. Right. right. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's interesting because going off of what you were talking about, Blaze, with the idea of like the simplicity of the 50s films, I think sometimes with horror, and not to say that horror films aren't well done or anything, but I think sometimes audiences love the simplicity and subconsciously knowing what's going to happen. Like, there's our final girl. There's our not too slut shame, but like there's our slutty girl or like the right. easy girl that's going right. to get killed off first. And then her jock boyfriend's going to get killed off looking for her or something. But right. I feel like the 88 version of the blob like zigs where you think it's going to zag. And oh, it kind sure. of does what like they joked about with Game of Thrones and South Park with Randy shouting, you can't right. die. Everyone <laughs> really liked you. We really liked you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you also think that some people, especially like horror fans saw this and actually didn't like the fact that it broke the mold a little bit? Um, mainstream horror fans, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. I think this movie also does something that later on a movie would come out called feast and it would do very similar things in terms of being like, no, this is your protagonist. Like follow him. Isn't he great? And then like you watch that dude get eaten alive in like 10 minutes. And it's like, no, this is your protagonist. And then you watch that guy get eaten alive. And it like, and it, 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 it kind of cycles through like um, playing with, mm-hmm. with those tropes. Um, yeah. I, I, I wonder, I think mainstream horror fans have an idea of what horror is supposed to be in terms of, Oh, horror is just slasher movies, you know? And so they think if anything that, actually makes them question what they're watching more might have that effect and be like, Oh, uh, maybe like maybe the, they'll think of it as like the pacing is off or something like that, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because it makes me think of how I think less than 10 years later screamed as the exact same thing with Drew right. Barrymore. And that is like the most famous scene in that entire film. Like most people who don't right. really know what scream is could probably reference that like oh the phone with drew barrymore and she gets killed and the scream and the thing so it's interesting how like one movie is allowed to get away with something and the other isn't if that makes sense i wonder how much of it too is that because psycho did it before anybody yeah i wonder how much of it is just it being a generic slasher sort of movie as opposed to it has the elements where people die on screen and you see some people that maybe not so much you would get to know them in you the way you would in a traditional slasher movie but you do see the friends the guy in the car like one of the football player guys he dies off and then Mm -hmm. you see the i can't remember i think it's ricky yeah yeah bar in his trunk i was thinking that was like what he's doing is not okay oh yeah that is a great bar setup it's wonderful that's that's wild (laughs) you got the mixer in there just you thought it all through you thought some (laughs) things through in a bad way but you thought some (laughs) things through in a good way and just 
just it's not black and hey, white. Sometimes there's evil geniuses. There's man. evil geniuses. That's exactly it. Um, in a football jacket. But <laughs> you see, like, like you see, and then the woman who's in the diner and the, the oh, sheriff Jeffrey great... Dumont, he dies kind of off screen, but then you right. see him through the phone booth, which is a great scene. Love that. So you you have those elements, but then you also have body horror, and then one of the other things I was saying when I was rewatching it was it does kind of eventually once some of those people die and the military scientists come into play, it almost takes on this feeling like it's arachnophobia where it's kind of this adventure thriller type pacing. And you do follow Shawnee Smith, which it is wild to see her oh, not as her saw character. <laughs> right. And as like, a teenage girl, <laughs> it's crazy. I turned around to Kyle. I'm like, there she is. And, it's like who? I was like, I straight up do not believe you. Right and now. I'm like, it's Amanda, <laughs> and he's like, Amanda who? I'm Absolutely like, what not. Do you mean? I refuse to believe. But but it, it does. It takes on that pace. So there's a lot of different tones, and I think that they work together. But it's not like Psycho. Okay, it has that you kill her off, and then you move on to somebody else. But it's a slasher all the way through. Mm-hmm. Scream. You kill off Drew Barrymore. You know who she is. But it's a slasher all the way through. You get Sydney Bristow to kind of follow along after. Right. Exactly. I also wonder how many people were offended by the fact that, spoiler alert for this film, (laughs) they not only kill off a kid, but they pretty graphically kill off a kid. Because I really thought they were just going to stop at like, he sinks into the water. No, kind of like a that... Georgian it sort of situation. <laughs> right, right. right. Like, no, they bring that bag of bones back up. Yeah. Woof. Oh, yeah. I remember just staring <laughs> at the screen. I was watching it with my boyfriend. I was like, they just did that? And he's like, yeah, this scene, I watched it too young when I was a kid and it gave me nightmares because you literally see his skin like melting off and him going, ah! Right. Yeah. But Almost yeah, like the Raft-esque and uh, <laughs> creep show exactly. too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because you do bring up a good point that it kind of becomes almost, it kind of reminded me of Stranger Things a little bit with like the government coming in and trying to contain this like creature that's eating a bunch of living things that they should have contained a while ago and this crappy group of teenagers having to do it for themselves. Right. It does kind of juggle two different tones a little bit the oh, way and, that- and the score definitely does not help things that's no. where yeah <laughs> because i i will say i have no problem with it and even to go through to the ending and what i don't know if they ever were planning a sequel if it was really financially successful but there well, i don't even have a problem with that but i do have a problem with the score because it feels like a 90s computer game at times, but not one that should be remembered. You know, some of them we go back and we remaster them or we just play them for fun. And this one is just, uh, it's yeah, the score is, is a mess. <laughs> it's, it's really all over the place. Yeah. Like at, at first it feels grounding for the town. And then later on when, um, you know, you have your, you have your, um, your setups and your payoffs, like when, uh, uh, what's his damn name? When flag jumps the, the hill on the motorcycle. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Like the score for that feels real off. <laughs> like as he's as he's driving away, it makes yeah. you wish that John Carpenter scored it. Oddly right, enough, like that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, I feel like this is trying to be a John Carpenter score without actually being a John Carpenter score. Right, right? which exactly. I think would have been um, very well suited, or even honestly, like a Stranger Things sort of score if they just went like full 80 synth sure right. yeah i think it yeah. would have been a little more like okay i get this and it would have been a little more kind of like 80s to the point where it feels like such a lovely relic right right i, I think the it, hair it just, and the cars right <laughs> exactly oh the hair for sure this this movie could be in its own category you know like something separate than all the john carpenter movies and everything like that because you could say it knew that it was fun also like it it, it wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be um atmospheric in certain ways you know and it wasn't trying to take itself too seriously like and that's that's where you get like the playing with the the horror tropes and everything also like it wants to have fun with itself as well and you can you can tell that oh yeah i totally agree with that um this is an on the spot i forgot to i didn't put it in because i just thought of it question so oh no look let out. me know i know look out folks um <laughs> Do you think, though, it's important to remember for remakes where, like, the original is better or not a lot of people would, like, 
go for one, both of them. They'll go for one or the other. Like, I feel like more people would watch the original, the blob, but then like the eighties one better, for example, do you think it's important to remember the fact that the blob in the fifties did come out? Like there'd be no eighties blob without the fifties blob. You know what I mean? As cheesy as it might be for some people. Cause I do feel like, a lot of mainstream horror folks, they'll watch a 50s movie and they won't enjoy it because they quote unquote didn't get scared, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, there's definitely, that's the difference between people who consider themselves, I, I mean, I think everybody considers themselves a, f- a film fan, but it's how you were just talking about, oh, they probably achieved this by doing that. And part of that comes with working in that industry, but there also is just, that's what, some people are interested in knowing that's why you buy a Blu-ray to find out the behind the scenes feature ad and things like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. And there's some people who just don't really appreciate the technological growth in terms of how we make movies now. Like I was turning around exactly turning around to Kyle and being like, that's a miniature. And I'd be like, well, that still holds up. That looks like garbage, but (laughs) you, you know, and not in a way where I'm like, Oh, it, ruins the way that I watch the movie and it takes Mm -hmm. me away from appreciating it but you can point that out and some people yeah they'll just be like well that's the thing is like we'll take that kind of effort no matter what it looks like over you know just like mindless empty CGI any day of the week and you brought up John Carpenter's The Thing earlier, and I'll put that movie against any movie that comes out today oh God, in terms yes. of effects and say, fight sure, me, yeah. find something that looks any better than this. And you're just not going to. And and it's because with CGI, everything looks you, – you can't trick your mind completely and things still look synthetic. Right. Hair looks synthetic. It doesn't look real. And so mm-hmm. – your mind can't process this thing actually being in front of you. Whereas even if you have like a shitty werewolf costume, you're still seeing actual fur. Yeah. When you, you open the door and you get to see a, a, a dude in a bad werewolf costume, your mind can still believe that it's there because you, it, it doesn't have to be tricked and it can't be tricked. So like where the industry really took off putting money into CGI and green screen effects and all that, I feel like I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I, I, I feel oh, like go on you know, it, sir. Go on yeah. it. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like we should have been putting the exact same money into practical effects. And it, maybe we have, and it's just, it's been so underground that, that more people don't know about it, but I, I would love a new boom in practical effects. I think we're, we desperately need that movie magic back. It's funny that you also mentioned the fact of it doesn't look real. Yes. Because one thing I was thinking of is now that we have the technology with it chapter two and the de-aging of the kids. And then also, <laughs> yeah. No, How do you I really can't. feel about that? Sir? Right. Uh, or what? I didn't say anything. Also with, um, with people dying, you know how we put Carrie Fisher back into star Wars. after she, <laughs> right. And then also Terminator. The new one where we go uh, back to oh that was yeah. rough oh right. that was so rough. <laughs> but anytime anybody praises it, I don't ever hear. Oh my god! Like I couldn't even tell. Like no. I always hear, oh wow, that looks so great. Or like, oh wow, they did that. Yeah, like oh wow, that <laughs> looks so great. And it's it's exactly like it's in the back of your mind, right? The entire time, and. Now that I remember, well, it's like that looks so great enough. It's not like right, like wow, it didn't blow me away. But, yeah. Oh, for what it is, like that's the kind of technological effort that people praise. And now that I'm thinking about it, when the blob moves in the '88 version and it's coming down the street, there was one scene where I turned around to you and I said, "That looks bad." And I'm pretty yep, sure that's I know probably, what scene you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. That's probably one of the computer generated yes. images in that movie, even though there's a lot of really great practice yeah, stuff in there that I will praise to yes. the high heavens. But one of the things that I wanted to compare it to is that the 86 Little Shop of Horrors in the alternate ending where the plants take over all the different major cities and they go for like the King Kong homage sort of deal and is destroying Manhattan. There's not a single 
scene in that whole end sequence that looks the way that the blob moves. And I don't know how they would have created that with right. a puppet, but three years before or two years before that, excuse me, it looks it still holds up today and yeah. there's pieces of that blob moving that I do not think hold up right now, but all the practical stuff I do think Definitely. holds up. Exactly. Yeah. But I think they also use the CGI. I know it's scene you're talking about where it's kind of like slapping the government people. Yes. 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 It's blobbiness. I feel like mm. it's also so quick that you can just kind of be like, Oh, that's fine. What right, exactly. Like, we'll let it go. Cause everything else just looks so great. Phenomenal. Right. Yeah, exactly. Let's, Move on to my other, my pre-approved questions. I love it. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is all off the cuff. You're doing great. Aw, thanks. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know what I always find very interesting? So this movie did kind of get a cult status after a couple of years. And I noticed right. a lot of the articles that I researched for the remake of The Blob came out around the 30th anniversary and really mm. just sung its praises. Why do you think movies gain a cult status? And why do you think particular movies gain a cult, gain a cult status? Do you think it's because they're good? Which I don't know how if that's correct, because then movies like Miami Connection wouldn't have a cult status. Or do you think it just like they all, no matter how different they are, kind of hit a certain nerve or I think are it on a could be vibe a, that people love? Yeah. I think it could be about expectations. Yeah. Um up and like First impressions and expectations. I think that could be what it's about. Um, you look at what we were talking about earlier and, you know, I guess no matter what, I'll always somehow connect everything back to John Carpenter's The Thing. But <laughs> Which we that, should. We're talking yes. about The Age of Innocence, The Thing. Martin Scorsese retrospective, The Thing. The thing. <laughs> the environment, right. Environmental global Scorsese, warming the stuff, thing. The Thing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's so many avenues. Stimulus checks, The Thing. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Should all just live in Antarctica, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, what I was saying with the thing is that that movie was universally panned mm -hmm. and completely mm -hmm. hated when it came out. It won a Razzie, like yeah. which first of all, like I beg your unbelievable pardon. <laughs> How dare you for Ennio Morricone's score? Uh, it's insanity which nope. i don't understand why so much no so much no how dare you but yes uh and it was hated uh until i think i think people thought it was going to be something different and what they got was one of the grossest <laughs> most like uh uh extreme examples of body horror they've ever experienced while still being a great psychological horror movie mm-hmm uh, with great characters and Kurt Russell how, and Keith David. How can you go wrong? Uh, Kurt Russell and Keith David in Come the on. 80s. Come on. Come on. Come on. Kurt Russell, they, just, they don't make men like that no. anymore. It's just a, a king. Yep. A uh, king. They but don't. It's a, you know, I think it's also just marketing, especially with like movies now where uh, I've referenced Hereditary a lot with things like this because, or even The Witch, uh, mm -hmm. The Vavitch. Because... <laughs> mainstream audiences think that they're going in for the next conjuring movie which I, there's really the conjuring the first conjuring movie is a really well-made movie yeah. but that's mm -hmm. what people think they're going in for and they don't realize where obviously this isn't the case with the blob but they don't realize if they're going in for a movie that's a metaphor for grief or right. you know this is how we oppressed women or you know right. it's a coming of age tale like things like that but i do also think i that don't think I was going to say, not even a metaphor for grief, an exploration right. of no, grief. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That, yeah. Sit just, in this for just, two hours. Exactly. It's that Lars von Trier melancholia oh. type feeling. Like, it's just deal with it. You don't have yeah. to watch the movie, you just deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Just feel yeah. all of this just, now. Just have it pour on you like cement. <laughs> exactly. what it is. And then just don't don't have a good time for two weeks because that's all you think about. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, what I do think, um, and I, I don't think it's applicable to this because I do think that this is a legitimately good movie, but I do think that a lot of the times with some of these movies, and especially with movies that are either sequels or remakes, we wait long enough and then we wait for doesn't even have to sometimes be the 30th anniversary the way you were talking about. It could be the 10th anniversary mm. or the 20th anniversary. We go back and we look at a movie 
and enough time has passed. And sometimes I think the nostalgia factor comes into play too. And you think about, oh, I was 10 when I watched that. Or, mm. oh, I was 16 mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I watched that. That's exactly what I sound like. You, <laughs> that's, that's what all people sound like when they're oh. recalling their, their teenage years. And I think that people just say, no, we were too harsh on it. And the one movie that I come back to time and time again is The Rage Carry 2. And you go back and you look now. It is not a good movie. I don't care what anybody says. But there are enough podcasts now and there are enough retrospectives and lookbacks. And people say, you know what? It was good. It was it was good. I'm like, no, it wasn't good. And we don't have to do that for every movie. But They do that with the Star Wars prequels too. Right. And it, it just, yeah. <laughs> how can, just how because, can you? Just because enough time has passed doesn't mean that the movie gets pass now right you know, objectively bad movies yeah it's not it's even just, a, you can't you can argue you it. can say that you want to watch it back for nostalgia reasons or just oh this is what the era was like or anything right. like that but that doesn't make everything good right. i do think that there are a lot of fans out there and even just general horror fans as well who are willing to give movies a pass like that but i don't think that that's applicable to the blob but i wonder if people who watched it back then just they have that effect on them and they just kind of go oh it is so fascinating how much this goes back to our previous episode a few episodes before about vanilla sky and one of the reasons it came up in kind of the public ethos again was not only because it was coming towards i think the 20th anniversary but that first scene with tom cruise in a completely empty Times square everyone was like beginning of the pandemic pictures of Times square to that opening sequence in vanilla sky and so they all went and watched it again and everyone's like oh wait this wasn't a terrible movie and it goes back to what you were saying kyle about expectations like right everyone was expecting jerry Maguire too right and it was not jerry Maguire too there were plenty of cameron crow isms but everyone was basically just mad it wasn't a rom-com and i think the studios right, exactly. right know how to sell that kind of movie so i, 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 have, I, have, right. I have one more example and the most recent one i can think of mm-hmm. was it comes at night yes which i absolutely oh, love yeah but people watch the trailer and I guess the the editors of the trailer were like, how can we pop this up and make this look like a movie that mainstream audiences are going to want to see? Because it's, you know, it's another one of those, it's an art house. It was an A24 horror. movie, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, A24. So a lot of people went into that and they watched a fi- they were tricked into watching a film and they weren't very happy about it. And they're like, oh, it's supposed to be really scary, I guess, because the trailer told me so. Right. And <laughs> a lot of people hate that movie. Yeah. And I feel like it gets an, a completely unwarranted amount of hate. But that's only solely because of their first impression and expectation. No, because they wanted a quiet place. Right. They got it comes at night. Right. <laughs> womp, womp. Yeah, I'm really waiting for Darren Aronofsky's mother to get this treatment because I totally get if you just watch it and don't like it. Like, I get it's not a movie for everyone. Right. But I do think they advertised it so heavily as a Rosemary's Baby heir apparent. Yes. And when uh-huh. people went in and watched a Darren Aronofsky movie, they, they just watched like, no. the Bible. They watched, they watched the Bible. <laughs> well, which is funny too, because I can remember when that was first being cast and they just announced Jennifer Lawrence as the star and it was being billed as a home invasion movie then. Oh yeah. yeah. I remember that. So I went into it because I, I love home invasion movies mm-hmm. and I went into that being like, wow, this is going to be interesting to see his take on that. And I, I've i watched it since again. It's it's not for me. I do think, I think it's too much. And I think that the metaphor is like in it. Like too heavy handed. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it, it literally is him just throwing the Bible at you over and over and over again. And I like him. And I feel like ever since he did Noah, he's just been on... <laughs> a descent into something that we need to pull him out yeah, of. You show respect to that movie. But, I worked on that for a month straight. He, he, he was did. a nice man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. But 
it's it's funny, yeah, because they they marketed it as two very different things in the filming process. It was a home invasion movie, and then it was was Rosemary's Baby, especially the way that they filmed that trailer and mm-hmm. what they had her dressed in and how they did everyone's hair and makeup. It had that kind of classic kind of look to it. Mm. Yeah, I also think there was a lot of, I remember a lot of previews being like, you'll never forget where you were when you saw a mother. And I'm like, this isn't how you advertise like an allegorical tale about how the pursuit of art tears couples apart. Right, 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 exactly. That's okay, I guess, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what, just not enough baby murder. Like... (laughs) I remember. I was promised a baby murder yeah, scene. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, oh my god! Again, the, the blob and mother, children being murdered, people yep. getting turned off, saying it's a bad movie. Yep. It's, it, well, it's the same <laughs> thing that people do with dogs and and cats too, right? Because in the the fifty eight blob, that dog just kind of like runs off and never comes back. And right. I feel. People probably didn't even care, though, just because of the way that it's dismissed. But I feel like they should care the same way that they care when a dog dies in anything else. Because she promises her little brother, she's like, I'm going to bring you back a dog. And he's like, all right, I'm going to name it William. And she's like, all right, that's a great name. He's like, you know what? Yeah, fuck William. This is a bad name. (laughs) I'm not going to name it William. And then she doesn't bring him the dog. Come on. He's just like, actually, I shit the bed. That name kind (laughs) of sucks. And I'll, she's like, I respect you, man. Like, credit or credits too. Like, <laughs> you admitted your own mistake. So, although I will say, the like little brother got the trade off of not being burned alive in that diner. Yes, right. right. That is what I remember being like. Are they going to kill a five year old kid by burning him alive in a diner in a fifties film? Badass. Right. <laughs> like, well, here's here's something that, that I was also talking about with with her earlier when we were watching it, and it was that. The imagination or the level of imagination wasn't there yet. So if a dog runs off, everything's so wholesome in the 50s and people are wearing sweaters and and gee willikers and racing each other (laughs) on the tracks. That's just what they did for fun. Right, exactly. And if a dog runs off, I feel like nobody in the 50s is thinking, oh, God, did that dog die? Right. Because everything was way more wholesome. We're just watching movies about like fellas talking. You know, and uh, they're not going to think that dogs are going to be dying in film or like that's not even a question. They're too worried about commies. They don't have time. Right. To exactly. <laughs> no, these are the nice pictures, the moving pictures. Right. <laughs> um, What would you tell people whether they're going to watch one or the other or do like a double feature of the original and remake? What do you think is important to let folks know before watching these films? I would baby most people and I would say take the effects from the 50s out of your mind and like try to look past that Um, because I I do think that that is important to tell some people because they're going to what we were saying before they're just going to be like ah it looks bad I'm not yeah absolutely and I would say give them context for what we were just talking about you know very wholesome back in the 50s give them the context so that they can kind of put themselves in the shoes of the viewer that it was initially intended for. I would say that, especially with the 50s one. Um, I don't know if you need to do that so much with the 80s one, because I think that there are a lot of elements that still come through in, you know, Stranger Things is really big. So you mentioned Stranger Things before. It's a huge thing. People are going to identify with that. And no one's talking like the slang isn't so wildly different. There's only two lines in the 88 blob that I can think of that are a little, they they almost sound like when you watch a movie edited for television and they say something really crude and then they have to talk over it. And I can't remember like find a stranger in the Alps. Kind yeah. Of that kind of thing. And I can't remember. It, it's one of the things that Kevin Dillon says one of them is his. He might have both lines. But there's, other than that, I think it's very accessible to people now. I don't think they mm-hmm. would watch it and be just so out of their element the way that they might yeah. be watching a movie from the 50s. I think that would be the suggestion I would make. I don't know if I would give 
any other suggestions other than just go into it. But I'm also somebody who likes to go into things relatively blind, especially now I can feel that trailers give away too much. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What would you say, Kyle? Uh, My advice for watching the 1958 version of the blob would have to be beware of the blob <laughs> it creeps and leaps and rolls across the floor no um oh God, I love it, so much. <laughs> it slaps um it's an exploration of a time uh that is mm-hmm. very very gone there's little lines that i had to write down because i love so much one oh, of yeah. those one of those was so Stephen mcqueen grabs everybody out of their movie that they're watching with Vincent Price, I believe. Oh yeah, the famous everyone running out of the theater yes. scene. But he he brings everybody out, and they're they're hot because because you know they wanted to go see this movie. And one of the kids comes in. He goes, "All right, you made us waste our eighty cents. Now what's going on?" <laughs> and, <laughs> and that popped me. That's wonderful. There's also just like silly little moments where. Um, like great little character moments where the doctor is with the nurse and the nurse is terrified because the strawberry jam is just kind of sitting on the floor and uh, it, it's gotten a little bit bigger since they've last seen it. He's trying to tell her exactly what to do. And he's like, now, you know, just stay there. Don't do anything. Grab that uh, hydrochloric acid. And she's like, Oh, this one over here. He's like, yeah, do that now. Uh, throw it at it. And she's like, what? He's like, yeah, just do that. And so like, it sounds like he's, <laughs> he has some kind of handle on this. Right. You're, like, you're like, and she's like, okay. And it's, it's kind of like a, um, uh, uh, uh like a, almost like a dirty Harry phone booth esque Like somebody's telling you what to do through like, okay, cool. So she throws it at the, the blob and it doesn't do anything. He's like, ah, uh, okay, cool. I'll go get my gun. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> okay. Science has failed. <laughs> get, get me my gun. gun. Get your guns. <laughs> Which, you know what? It's funny because, like, think about what they knew then and what even like what they know in the 88 one. And the the when they bring them into the the old man into the hospital in that one, the nurse goes, oh, does he have Blue Cross Blue Shield? Right. (laughs) All of a sudden, the concern becomes just how different the world is from those uh, 30 years there. So different. And all of a sudden it becomes about insurance, which is super relatable right now. Ah, And how. (laughs) But yes, um, advice would just be to like sit back and explore something that is gone. People don't wear sweaters like that anymore. Um, It's it's a good time. People don't wear sweaters like that anymore. That's true. But they do still cast 28 year olds as teenagers. Yes, that is absolutely true. Um, and then uh, for the 88 version, I think it's way more relatable, I think, in a time now where people are starting to latch on to movies like Malignant, you know, and like they're they're actually getting uh, a feel for like what crazy cinema is like and, yeah, and yeah. how weird things can get. I think I think The Blob, I think movies like Feast, all these that are subverting expectations in terms of horror tropes and all that, like I feel like this could be a welcoming new thing where, where it, it's a very easy sell for people like that. You can say like, Hey, I think this guy's related to Kevin, uh, to Matt Dillon <laughs> and, uh, you check out his hair and it's got, it's got, um, it's got setups and payoffs and it, it's a really good time. What most important question, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, you can find us at Top Cult, that's T-O-P-K-V-L-T, on YouTube, most importantly, Instagram, also Facebook and Twitter. And topcult.com is our website where you can go to find out about all of the events that we are putting on, where you can find us doing press. We're going to be at Brooklyn Horror Fest this year, which is going to be very exciting. Yep. And then uh, me on Instagram, I'm at Blaisdell, B-L-A-I-S-E. D-A-H-L. I'm also that on Twitter. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at coffee for Ziltoid, the number four. And also all the Top Cult stuff. We also have some sweet-ass merch that we're putting out as we well. We do. They do have sweet-ass merch. Oh, shucks. Thank you. Oh, I thank you. And uh, yeah, if, if you ever have any questions about horror or maybe say like, I like this certain kind of subgenre and uh what what other movies would you recommend we're willing and happy to talk to anybody about horror any time of the day any time of the night i don't sleep but he really doesn't <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i believe that's it 
I think that's it. Guys, thank you so much for swinging by. We laughed. We cried. We bewared of the blob. I don't know if that was prediction. <laughs> I, I cried so it. much. <laughs> thank, thank you, guys. This was such an awesome conversation and really put me in a spooky season spirit. Yes. So, I appreciate you guys swinging by. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. We Happy had a blast. Yes. And that, ladies, gentlemen, and blobs, is our show. I want to thank Kyle and Blaze so, so much for stopping by and talking about these films with us. I am just going to fully embrace sounding like a broken record while telling you to let us know what you think about these films or what you thought about this episode. We're all over social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Girl Presses Play. And we love hearing from you guys because this is what this is all about is discussing film with awesome folks like Kyle and Blaze and like yourself. Next week, we have our Patreon voter episode of the original Ringu and its 2002 remake, The Ring. And I will be emotionally preparing for rewatching a movie that traumatized me as a child, but I will do it for the love of film. <laughs> So until then, stay safe, stay spooky, and of course, keep watching movies. See you next time. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor right through Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. Special thanks to John F., Feriolo Fencing, LLC, Mariano Dwyer, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl presses play.